Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. All right, all right. Good evening. Good evening. Hi. How's it going? Yeah, it sees you. Student Ministries, how are we feeling tonight? Can you give me a shout if you are done with school? Give me a shout if you're done with school. Praise the name. Give, give me a shout if you're not done with school. All y'all go to TCA. I know it. I know it. TCA did it wrong. They're not getting done until this weekend. Till this weekend. My goodness. If you are a senior in the house, can you go ahead and stand for me? If you're a senior graduating in the house. Yes. That's a Mikey, right? Come on, Mikey. It's good to see you, man. We are here to honor you guys tonight. Go ahead and take a seat. We're going to have some fun stuff for you guys later. Everybody say worship. Worship. Oh, I like that. Say connect. Connect. I look at your neighbor and say serve. Serve, worship, connect, serve. This is, our, this is our last service before graduation week. And this is what I mean by graduation week here at New Life. It means that starting next week in June, whatever grade you are in right now, you will be moved up into your next grade next week. So if you are a senior in here, this is your last night as a high schooler at New Life Church. Olivia Baker, say aw. That's so sad. She's going to Guatemala. It's going to be a good year for her next year. But it also means if you're in sixth grade, you're going to be in? Look at you guys learning to count at such a young age. You're going to be in seventh grade. If you're in eighth grade, that means you're going to be in? High school. High school, yes. Look, he, he didn't crack. He's past puberty. The rest of you, you know, I know it's still kind of there. You're going to be in high school, all right? So... That being said, that being said, we're going we're gonna to celebrate a little bit tonight. We're going to do some, some fun things this evening. But before we get there, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and seal up this series on Worship, Connect, Serve. If you've been here the past couple weeks, we've kind of talked about these three values that are around here at New Life Church. I know we've got a good number of students who don't go to church here at New Life, but you come here on a Wednesday night. And these three words are, are somewhere you'll hear all over our church at all of our congregations, worship, connect, serve. And this is simply because we here at New Life believe that these are three values that should embody God's people. That we would actually be a people, if you were here two weeks ago with, with Pastor Eddie, who, who actually seek out the mercy of God and respond sacrificially. And if we're talking about worship, we're kind of, I'm, I'm not just talking about like the first 20 minutes of service on a Wednesday night where we have this incredible team up here leading in it and some amazing songs. Yes, this is worship, but worship is so much more than that. It's, it's a life of responding to God with all that we have because he initiated all of himself to us. And this is what it means to be worshipers, that we actually see him as our supreme treasure, him as our supreme value, and everything we do in our life reflects that. The way that I engage with my school 
is an act of worship to the Lord. The way that I engage with my relationships is an act of worship. When I come here, I clap my hands, I raise my hands, I sing till I can't sing anymore, I dance even though I can jump on one foot right now, is an act of worship. Why? Because he's worthy of it. It's that simple. And if you were here last week, we had Pastor Natalie come and talk about this idea of connection. And I love the way she approaches talking using John 15, that actually we were, we were created to be attached to a source, not to be a source in and of ourselves. In fact, she used the language from John 15 where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides, who remains in me, he or she, they will bear much fruit. And it is in our connection to Jesus that, in fact, we find community, connection to one another. So what we kind of see from both of these things, worshiping and connecting, is that God didn't create us to do this life alone. And we come to our third value tonight, which is serve. Everyone say serve. 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 And this is a huge one because... We, we end with serve because serving is, in fact, actually an act of worship. Serving is actually an act of connection. But, but serving, as we're going to see tonight, is at the very heart of who God is. And here's the thing. I want you to pay really close attention tonight. Really close attention because we are coming to the end of May. We're launching into the summer. And here is what I have learned from being a junior high school student at one time to being a high school student at one time, to being a human being, is that men and women do not thrive when they have idle time. I want you to hear me. Men and women do not thrive when they have idle time. I believe that there is nothing more dangerous on planet Earth than a man who is bored. I believe it with all my heart. And I think if we do not grasp the heart of God when it comes to serving, we miss the heart of God completely. Are you with me tonight? Miss the heart of God completely. So we worship, we connect, and we serve. How do I want to define serve tonight? It's going to be really simple. Really simple. There's this text that the Apostle Matthew recorded Jesus saying, and we actually have Luke record this in his gospel where Jesus is looking at his followers and he's saying, look, if, if you're going to be my disciples, there's going to have to be something about your life that is extremely different and extremely costly. Extremely different and extremely costly. We're going to see this here in Matthew 16, 24 and 25. It says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it in about four weeks we're going to really dive into what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus but I want to focus on this phrase right here let him deny himself let him deny himself when we talk about serving 
When we talk about taking your life and living your life, not for your glory, but for the glory of another, what, I, what I'm asking you, what I'm inviting you into, and more importantly, what Jesus is inviting his followers into right here is to say, look, if you're gonna follow me, you can't be the center of the universe. You cannot be the center of your universe. You must deny who? Yourself. We hear him echo this in the Lord's Prayer, don't we? When he's teaching his disciples to pray, he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Whose kingdom come? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, look, if you're gonna follow me, if you're gonna pray to me, you gotta get something clear really quick. It's not about you. Thank you, Preem. I've missed having you in. It's not about you. You are not the center of the universe. You don't exist for your own glory. And if you wanna find life, it's not going to be working to satisfy yourself. You're gonna to have to deny yourself. But I want you to notice something here. Look, I mean, the weight of these words, if anyone's gonna come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, the symbol of crucifixion and murder for a thief, for a criminal. Now to us here 2,000 years later, this makes sense why Jesus is saying this. You walk into this building, you look up on the roof, we have this cross there, we look up here and we see this cross and this is like the symbol of the Christian faith. We know what it means. It doesn't just mean the death of Christ. We know that's not where the story ends. But if you're his followers right now and you're listening to Jesus talk, you have no idea what Jesus is about to go through. No idea what Jesus is about to go through. I want you to take notice of this. What Jesus is inviting his followers to do, what he's inviting us to do is not something that he first does not do himself. Nine years ago, I was living in Texas and I was hanging out with some buddies and, and when you graduate, like year after graduation, this is the year you do really stupid things really stupid thing. Seniors, pay attention here for something that you should not do come this summer. We're hanging out in Texas, and I don't know why anybody would live in this godforsaken state. It's too hot. It's too humid. I swear, that's where, like, demons go to live and abide. Like, <laughs> humidity is something awful. I, I promise you. But we're hanging out, and it's getting really hot, and they say, we have an idea. Let's go cliff jumping. I'm like, Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm all about this. I'm like, I'm going to try. Like, I'm like, I went skydiving in Hawaii. Let's go jump off stuff. This is going to be fun. They go, no, 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 no. Let's go, let's go cliff jumping at one in the morning. I was like, I look at my buddy Harrison and we're like, we're like, I don't, uh, okay. So they're like, but here's the thing. This is, this is like on a national park reserve. So here's what we got to do. They actually have like a, a park ranger who like mans a gate that you gotta like have a pass to get in. So what we have to do is we gotta park a half mile away and we have to sneak past the gate at one in the morning. And then we gotta walk a mile. Now here's the deal y'all, like there's a reason why Captain America is the greatest Avenger, okay? And, and here's why, Heiser, before you start saying I love you 3000, shh, okay? Captain America lives with integrity and I can appreciate that. 
I'm like, I'm like, you know what? It, it doesn't kind of, it doesn't kind of matter like, like what you should do. It's, it's like what's right and what's wrong. That's how you live your life. What's right and what's wrong, right? And so, so I, I'm having this just internal battle of like, oh, I don't want to break the law. I'm going to be a youth pastor one day. I'm going to be telling the story. I'm breaking the law. And everybody needs a friend like Harrison who's like, bro, let's just do it one time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't need a friend like that. Rebuke him in the name of Jesus, okay? <laughs> so he looks at me. He's like, bro, let's just do it this one time. So we pull up. We pull up. And even though, like, everything inside of me with integrity is dying, we sneak past this gate. We walk a mile. And we get to this 35-foot cliff. Yeah, that's what I was saying too. And it was one of those cliffs that it's like, it like overhangs the water a little bit. So you're like looking down, but here's the problem. You can't really see where the water's at. It's one in the morning. It's dark. So I'm looking at the guys we're with and I'm like, hey, Einsteins, how do you know when you're going to hit the water? And they're like, oh, it's easy. They pull out three glow sticks. They crack them. And they throw them down. They're like, see? Now you have a reference point. <laughs> I'm like, that's good. I'm glad I know when I'm going to die. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm looking. All four of the guys are with. They're standing on the edge of the cliff. They're like, all right, let's do this. They take their clothes off. They jump. They're not totally naked. It's not weird. I promise. We had our bathing suits on. And I'm standing there at the top of this cliff with my buddy Harrison. And I look at him. I'm like, are we really going to do this? Everybody needs a friend like Harrison. He's like, come on, Tim, you got to just do it once. I'm like, bro, I'm not about to go tumble to my death after breaking the law. I'm like, I don't want to meet Jesus that way. He's like, son, what were you doing? Well, I was, I was cliff dumping. What were you doing cliff jumping at one in the morning? Trying to fit in. Well, how did you get there? Snuck past the guard. Don't want to meet Jesus that way. He looks at me and he goes, Tim, come on. The only reason I stepped over that point of no return is because my friend did it first. Let's go, Harrison. Everyone needs a friend like Harrison. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what Matthew is thinking? as he watched his Messiah bear that cross up Golgotha and then thinking back to this statement, he's going, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That thing Jesus was saying, if anyone's going to follow me, he's going to have to deny himself. He's going to have to put himself last and he's going to have to take up a cross. He's going to have to follow me. Those words begin to bear New way, Jesus never asks us to do anything that he's not first willing to do himself. This is why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5.1, he says this, therefore, let us be what? Imitators. Imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There's something about following Jesus that the Apostle Paul is saying, you're going to have to live like 
Jesus. Brothers and sisters, what I'm wanting to suggest to you tonight is that when we embrace a life of serving, we find this man, Jesus. This is why you can't get rid of it. You can't ignore it. You can't set it to the side. You can't compartmentalize it. It's a commission of the gospel. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ has loved us. There's something about this. I want to suggest to you tonight three things that we find when we deny ourselves and embrace a life of serving. We embrace a life of looking to the the people to our left, to our right, in front of us, behind us, below us, and say, I'm going to live my life for your good more than my own. Three things that we find. The first is this. We find a new reality. We find a new reality. In Mark chapter 10, we have this moment where Jesus is looking at his followers and they're hanging out, they're chilling. And then you have James and John, the sons of thunder, is what the scriptures call them. If you're watching The Chosen, you kind of know what that means, okay? Right? Like you got the sons of thunder, they come, they come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, we have a request for you. Just a, just a simple request. And, and Jesus goes, yeah, talk to me. And they say, this is what we want. This is what we're asking. When we come into your kingdom, can you promise us that we will have the seats on your right and on your left? And if you know what this means, these are the, the two highest seats of honor. They're saying, look, we, we want to be the ones who are honored above all else in your kingdom. And Jesus looks at them and he goes, you have no idea what you are asking me. And he says these words to them. He goes, look, can you drink the cup that I am going to drink from? And can you be baptized with the baptism with which I'm going to be baptized in? No, you cannot. And they're going, no, 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 we can. And he looks at them and he goes, you know what? You will. And if you understand what Jesus is saying right here, when he says, can you drink my cup? He's saying, can you endure the suffering that I'm about to endure? And when he says his baptism, he's saying, can you endure the death that I'm about to endure? And they say, yes, we can. He goes, surely you will taste my suffering. You will taste my death. But hear me, the seat to my right and to my left, those aren't mine to give. Those are the fathers. And then what we have in this moment is something so human. We have all of the disciples listening around. And you got the other 10 going, thank you, Preem. Are you outside your mind? You're going to ask him that in front of us 10 right now? I can imagine Peter in this moment, like about to pull his sword. Like, I'm about to troll you sons of thunder. About to feel like a little crack of lightning. Like, what is taking place? And Jesus knowing what's happening and realizing that the scripture actually says the disciples begin to feel indignant towards James and John. This is Jesus' response in verse 42. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So he's saying, look, I know the world you live in, 
Those who are in power, those who are in authority, and you can imagine their minds right now thinking about the Roman Empire, thinking about they're watching them crucify their families on the roads as they're walking into their cities, thinking about those who do not give them the privileges to live as free people, those who look at women and say, no, 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 you're not a human being, you're an object, those who look at children and say, I'm disregarding you, you do not matter, those who look at those of a different race, of a different nation, a different tribe, a different tongue, are lesser than, he goes, look, I know that's the world that you're living in right now. But look at what Jesus says. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be a servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Son of God, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he goes, look, if you're gonna follow me, if you're gonna deny yourself, if you're gonna take up your cross, this is what it's going to look like. The greatest in my kingdom are not the ones who sit on thrones and lord their authority over people. That's not how it works when you follow Jesus. He said, the greatest in my kingdom is the one who assumes the position of a slave. You know what the slave meant? Someone who didn't have a right to be a human being, but they only did their master's bidding. That's what it meant. What he's saying is he's saying the greatest in my kingdom are those who are not concerned with their wills, but with my will. Those who are the greatest in my kingdom are those who get down on their hands and knees. And though they disagree politically, though they disagree socioeconomically, though they think they are annoying as bad word, they wash the feet. That's the greatest in my kingdom. You look what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, you want the good life? Like we live in America where you hop on Facebook, man, and it's like every other scroll, you can see a vacation in like Fiji, the Bahamas, like a cruise. And it's like, it's like, this is the good life, traveling around, doing what you want, like looking to kind of fill that void, seeking adventure, doing, doing everything that this life has to offer. And he's going, you want the good life? You want to know what the good life is? It's not in Fiji. It's not in the Bahamas. It's not in Hawaii. Seniors, listen to me. It's not in your school. It's not in your education. It's not in the career that you pick. It's not in the job that you get. It's not in the wealth that you accumulate. It's not in the authority that you have. It's not in the leadership that you have. It's in none of those things. You want to know where the good life is? Denying oneself and taking up their cross. That's where the good life is. That's where the good life is. And this begins to rub in a certain way that hurts. But we see this message echoed throughout the New Testament. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, he's, he's sitting there talking and this is what he says. Verse 35, and all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak, the overlooked, the ones who are on the underside of power. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to what? Receive, he says, you want the good life? Pour your life out. Lay your life down for others. Get down on your back and let somebody step ahead of you. 
You want the good life? Look for those who are the, on the underside of power in society. Look for the poor. Look for the women. Look for the children. Look for those who aren't counted as human beings and build them up. And this is, this is so opposite to like what we think, right? It's like, man, life would be so good if we could just like get, 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 get. This is why we love Christmas and our birthdays. It's all about us. Like you come and say, you get that wrapping paper, you're opening that gift. It's like, it feels awesome. But you ever had a moment where you put yourself aside and you put somebody before you? You ever experienced what that's like? Eight years ago, living in Texas, we had a tornado warning come through, massive storm. A town 15 minutes away from us just got shredded. Town of Cleburne. We wake up the next morning. We have a friend in our church who had a friend out there whose house got demolished, and they said they need help in tears. Our whole church gets up. We go ahead and we drive out there, 9 o'clock in the morning. We walk out on this property, and it looks like their entire property got put through a paper shredder. I mean, you got private artifacts from their home, like quarter a mile out in the field from what happened in this tornado. And we spent six hours that day, just hard manual labor, not earning a cent. But I'll never forget like showing up on this property and I'm seeing the, the weariness on the father's face. Going, what am I to do with this property? What am I supposed to do with my family? All that I have, all that I own is all over the place and it's in pieces right now. And yet these people come out of nowhere and we begin just to help gather the debris, help kind of give some direction to the chaos of the moment. The feeling and the grace that I experienced that day has outdone any paycheck that I have ever earned. Brothers and sisters, it is more blessed to give than receive. Are you with me tonight? When we follow Jesus and we deny ourselves, we find a new reality. But that's not the only thing we find. We find a family. We find a family when we decide to lay down our lives, take up our cross and follow him. We have this moment in Matthew 12. Jesus is speaking in the synagogues. In verse 46, this is what happens. It says, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are, my, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father, there's that word again, in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. So Jesus then begins to, to flip the script again. And he says, look, you want to follow me? I won't ask you to do it alone. I won't ask you to do it alone. What you're going to find when you go to lay down your life in the weirdest of places. You wanna know like kind of a weird place to serve? It's children's ministry on the weekend. <laughs> like, like freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, I was in this classroom right over here, 161 with two-year-olds every Sunday for four years. Two-year-olds are weird, man. They're in like that in-between where some of them are like still pooping, still peeing their pants. Others are like walking and doing calculus already. Like you just never know what you're going to get. But you know what you find when you begin to lay your life down in the weirdest of places? You begin to find a family, people who co-suffer with you. 
There's a story in this book called Flag of Our Fathers where the author's talking about the Battle of Iwo Jima in World War II. And if you read about this battle, this is a battle in, uh, a battle in the South Pacific, just south of, of Tokyo. And of the 43 months that the U.S. went to war in, in, in the Pacific, of the 43 months that they were there, over a third of their losses happened in this one-month battle. And they talk about this skirmish where, where they sent the second battalion, a battalion of about 1,611 men onto the shore into heavy machine gun fire and over 1,500 of them died. 91 of them injured, only 177 went home. And as they began to interview the men who survived, they said, what was it that kept driving you forward? What was it like, like you could clearly see like your entire battalion is getting wiped out. You guys are getting annihilated. You're not making much progress from your perspective. What is it that kept you stepping forward and still going? And the predominant answer that they got from those who survived is they said, I looked to my left and to my right and I saw my brother and I would not quit. My brother made me keep going, why? Because he was putting his life on the line for me, so I figured he's worthy for me to put my life on the line for him. This is what we find in the family of God. This is what we find in the family of God, that Jesus wouldn't just say, hey, get out there and do it by yourself, but he'd say, I'm gonna call you in to something far beyond yourself. I'm going to give you a place where though maybe your, your earthly family, the mother and father who biologically bore you and the brother and sister who you grew up with, though they might have neglected you, though they might not have great relationship with you, though they might not even know me, I'm going to give you a family, brothers, sisters, spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers, for you to lay down your life with. You want to know where you find these people most? It's not when you attend on Wednesday night. It's when you make a decision to lay your life down and serve with them. Everybody asks, my wife and I, how do you find community at New Life Church? It's too big. I'm like, we never found community here when we attended New Life Church. We could walk in, walk out. It's a big room, 300 kids. We could never be known. It's really easy to do. I know a lot of you do it. We found community when we decided we're going to become a part of this place. We're going to lay our lives down for this place. We saw fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, many of you who are the current ninth, tenth, and eleventh graders, about to be tenth, eleventh, twelfth graders, and we said, we want to go make disciples with them. That's what we're going to do. And you know what we found? I found, uh, I found brothers like Chase Windebank and Victor Mendoza Mateo Mendoza, sister like Catherine Gerstenberg, their spouses, Katie Windebank, Preem Mendoza, Carson Anderson. I found, I found friends who were willing to say, you know what, we're going to respond to the call together. We're going to follow Jesus together. You know what we found? The, the leaders who come here and lay their life down for you every Wednesday, who stand out there at those kiosks and ask you for your name, even though you roll your eyes at them and can't stand them, get irritated with them. We found people like that who say, you know what, we're going to love teenagers even though they roll their eyes at us. We found people who said, you know what, they'll give up their, their afternoons on Tuesday at four o'clock to come spend an hour and a half with high schoolers to say, you know, what, we might not have everything figured out in life, but we'll be here to pray with you. We'll be here to open the scriptures with you. We found people like that. 
And brothers and sisters, those are people worth doing life with. Why? Because we're family. We're family. There's something that happens when we find family. And here's the beautiful thing. Family is not the only language that the New Testament uses to describe the people of God serving with one another. The Apostle Paul actually takes it a level more intimate. And he says, no, 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 it's not just a family. It's a body. Romans 12, 4 and 5, Paul says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So this is what he's saying. He's like, not only... When you follow Jesus, when you deny yourself and take up your cross, not only do you belong to a body, but you actually belong to one another. You take responsibility for one another. And then he takes it a step further. When we go to 1 Corinthians 12, he says this, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. He's like, when, when you become part of the family of God, you embrace the life of denying yourself and taking up your cross, your pain becomes the community's pain. And your joy becomes the community's joy. I'm like hesitant to share this, but I, it was so beautiful this last weekend. Many of you know our, our sweet Catherine Gerstenberg got married this last weekend. Like it was, yeah. She and Carson are on their honeymoon right now in Jamaica. And, and I mean, man, like there's something so beautiful about it. But here's the thing. Two and a half years ago, Catherine, the Gerstenberg family, Natalie, who's in here, they, I mean, they went through the darkest night of the soul. Catherine, Natalie, they, they lost their brother Johnny to a death by suicide. And I will never remember getting that call. It's 3.34 in the morning. My wife and I in our bedroom, and I, my wife picked up that phone, and she ran outside, and next thing I know, I just hear her wailing in tears. Immediately, we got up. We drove to the Gersenberg home, and we sat there for hours, and we wept. Why? Because their pain is our pain. That's what you have in the body of Christ. And I'll never forget in this room Johnny's memorial service and watching Pastor Daniel Grothy, get up here and give such a beautiful service, remembering the life of this young man for the glory of God. Their pain was our pain. And it wasn't just a day. It wasn't just a night. It was months. And even still now, it's years or weeks. I experienced that pain with that family. And with that same family, we got to gather four days ago and watch our sister stand on the altar with her groom-to-be and the same pastor, Daniel Grothy, stand there and say, is this not a testament of God's faithfulness? And us celebrate and rejoice for the miracle that was this marriage taking place before us. Brothers and sisters, if one member suffers, the community suffers. If one member rejoices, the community rejoices, when we take up our cross, when we deny ourselves, embrace this life of serving, we find a family. But that's not the only thing we find. And this last one feels obvious, but I want you to pay attention. We find a life with Jesus. I want you to listen 
to this text in Matthew 25. In my opinion, this is one of the most sobering passages of scriptures um, in the Bible. In the Bible. We have Jesus who's talking about the end of all things. He's talking about the end of all things. And in Matthew 25, verse 31, this is what he says. Pay attention with me here. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Pay attention here. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then Jesus will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. What do we find when we deny ourselves and look at the brothers and sisters on our left, on our right, those who are on the underside of power, those who are overlooked, over-oppressed? What are we doing when we serve them, when we lay our life down for them? You hear what Jesus just said? He said, every time you do that, you're doing it. when you help the sick, when you visit the prisoner, when you take care of the foreigner, when you feed the hungry, when you give the thirsty something to drink, when you clothe the naked, what are you finding? Who are you encountering? What he's saying right here is he's saying, you wanna find Jesus? You wanna find the living God? You've been praying in your quiet place, God, where are you? I need to see you. I need to find you. Where are you in my life? What is going on? I'm I'm depressed beyond my mind. I'm isolated beyond my mind. Where are you? 
Brothers and sisters, those who have ears, let them hear. He's saying, go find the overlooked. Go find the broken. Go find the hurting. And there you'll find me. Get off your social media account. Better yet, delete it and find something better. Don't be the center of your universe. Serve. Serve. Seniors, I want you to listen to me right now. There is a reason why, statistically speaking, your age group, those who are in your stage of life right now will walk away from the church in the next six months. There's a reason why. I want you to pay attention. Because everything at this moment in your life, turning 18, graduating, going on to college, going on to take a gap year, going on to enter the world, you know what's surrounding you right now? It's questions about you. Where are you going? What school are you going to go to? What degree are you going to get? What job are you going to get? What are you going to do with your life? You, 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 you. And what Jesus is saying right here is he's saying, there's no space for you and for me. You're either going to deny yourself and live a life that says your kingdom come, your will be done, or you are going to fix your eyes on yourself And there's only one destination for that, and it's not with Jesus. You have a choice to make. And I get get these questions all the time. When I graduate, Pastor, how do I how do I hold fast? How do I how do I stay in the faith? How do I how do I how do I make sure that my heart doesn't drift from Jesus? How do I make sure that I stay rooted? I stay anchored, I hold fast to the presence of God. A simple answer. I get the questions all the time. Pastor, I'm depressed out of my mind. I don't know what to do. Like I, I have the darkest of thoughts. I'm, I'm so alone and I don't know what to do. There's a simple answer to respond to that. Find a place where you can lay your life down for another. And what will you find there? You'll find a new reality. You'll find that your depression does not have the final word. You'll find that you actually weren't created to be the center of your universe. You'll find that actually the good life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Your good life does not consist in what you are doing next with your life. The good life does not consist in your relationships. The good life consists in what Christ has finished for you on the cross and has invited you into. (laughs) What do you find? You don't find loneliness, you find a family. You find people who are going to be willing to come with you day after day after day and get into the thick of it with you and take upon your pain as their pain and take upon your joy as their joy and take upon your reality as their reality. And you find what? Mothers, brothers, sisters, fathers, family. That's what happens when we embrace a life of serving. But most importantly, you'll find the well that never runs dry. You're going to find something more beautiful as you take care of those that's not yourself 
you're gonna find Jesus and Jesus is going, this is how you're gonna get to know me. It's not going to be simply or exclusively just you reading alone. It's not going to be exclusive you exclusively listening to a thousand sermons from 18 different pastors across the country all the time. No, no, no. That's not how you get to know Jesus. You got to get to know Jesus by doing life with his people. Doing life with his people. Those who are created in Imago Dei, the image of God. That's what you get to do. Can you stand with me? I want to invite you to worship, connect, serve tonight. I want to invite you to respond to the invitation of the gospel that says, let me deny myself. Everything. You're, this, is, this is where you know kind of where your heart's at. How much are you consumed with thinking about what you want versus what God wants? That's a good start. That's a good start tonight. Just sit there and go, God, let me go ahead and take everything that I've been consumed with, my relationships, the future, blah, 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 blah. Let's put it at the foot of the cross and say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Can you bow your heads as we get ready to respond with this worship song? I want to invite you to do as... John the Baptist said in John 3.30, as his apostles were looking at what was taking place with Jesus and how his ministry was growing, and they're going, John, aren't you jealous of this? This is not okay. Your, your ministry is diminishing while Jesus is increasing. And, and John the Baptist in John 3.30 says, no, 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 no. <laughs> it is good that he must increase and I must decrease. And that's the invitation tonight. More of him, less of us. of your works, more of the finished work on the cross, less of your behavior. That's what the gospel is. Not you getting your life together, God putting your life together. I want to invite you into that. So as we sing this song, go to Jesus. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And follow him. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.